Welcome to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 1450 WXVW. Myself, Kelly Patrick, Steve Driver coming at you as we do every Sunday morning from 9 to 11, talking all things in the world of sports. I want to encourage our listeners to get in on the action this morning via the Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram Buzz Line, which is 502-384-1450. We just muscled through somewhat of a dead period in the calendar year without having college basketball or college football or even basketball or football at all to discuss, being those are our two main sports here in this region. This morning, three of our four top stories are football-related. So football is in full effect. We have Tony Romo, once again injured. Looks like he's going to miss six to ten weeks. Colin Kaepernick with a very controversial decision, opting or refusing uh, to stand for the national anthem. Big story, getting a lot of press. Uh, New York Yankees and Major League Baseball, very hot. They've got, they've got a, a catcher who is on a historic pace. So despite the fact that the Yankees are somewhat of an afterthought right now, Steve, as you were telling me before the show, they're actually just a couple games out of out of uh, first place or out of playoff contention. Wild card. Wild card. Yeah. Um, which is obviously, if you get into the playoffs, as the St. Louis Cardinals proved, I think the year may have been 2006, you can get in as a wild card and make a run to the World Series. Also have a couple of Louisville's opponents for the ACC schedule um, as, as Miami and Florida State. I'm sorry, they don't actually play Miami, but a couple of the conference members of the ACC, Miami and Florida State, with significant storylines. Miami had two of their top three linebackers have been suspended from the team and potentially a third linebacker uh, suspended from the team for specific reasons, disciplinary issues. And the Florida State strength and conditioning coach had a Tony LaRussa-esque DUI. And And for those of our listeners who aren't aware, what that means is it's the style of DUI where you maybe you just pass out in your car without being busted for anything, and you're caught at a red light or a green light where you just thought it would be a good idea to take a nap. What's the name of that guy? Do you, ha- do you happen to have that? Um, you, you had it. You were just telling yeah. me. But the, he, he, he makes about 650000 a year. So he's one of Jimbo Fisher's top assistants um, in, in, in a very you know intricate part of the Florida State team. Brings up a, a, an interesting topic. That hey, we, can I cut you off real quick? Certainly. Yeah, what do you okay. have for me? Uh, you're just diving into this football. Yeah, what what storylines what no, storylines intrigue you that with it? There are this, many storylines that intrigue me, but I wanted to talk some uh, in studio. Uh, I have an in studio question. Sure. You have a black eye. I do. Is it would you consider it a black eye? Yeah, it looks pretty rough. Okay. Almost like almost like it was closed at one time. Like you just got out of a boxing match. Yeah. No, I, I have not lost any vision or anything like that, but my eye's not doing the best. What? Did you lower run, uh, run into something? As I mentioned on the show last week, and you were poking a little fun at me, over the last three months. Let me guess, jujitsu. Four, Yeah, four or five days a week I've been training, actually over this past week, six out of seven days. Uh, been doing some jujitsu, which is just a ton of fun. 
at Gracie Jiu-Jitsu of Kentucky over on Blankenbaker Access Drive in the J-Town Industrial Center. Here we go. But I, w- I was ro- what's called rolling, so in effect sparring or wrestling. Yeah. Didn't get punched, but somebody was going for a, a, a choke, and I, I rolled out of it. Do you and, notice and- when you walk around in public... Do people get out of your way quicker? No. Do you feel tougher? No. I, I'm not ashamed of it. I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not complaining. It's not a permanent injury. Yeah. It, but it, you it, are proud of a it. bigger BA than me because. Yeah. What, it, fill our listeners in. You and I are both dealing with ailments this morning. Yeah. Mine is a result of rolling, which is. Fighting jujitsu. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yours, fill our listeners in, please. What, what, what are you working on? Uh, Great. Yeah, I slept on. I slept wrong. You woke up with a crick in your neck. I could barely turn my head left and right. This is day three, getting a little better. It's been rough though. It's very. I assume that it's a result of someone. Someone was trying to steal your wife's purse. Yes, and you were intruder. Fought someone. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's that's very masculine. Yeah, I'm a pretty tough guy. That, that actually can spill into a point that I, w- I was going to make here, and that is, and we'll get to it later, it's football season. We've been talking about sports like basketball, Olympic basketball, baseball, you know, soccer. You're a soccer fan. But for some reason, football is the most popular sport in the country at the time. And, and I think it's reflective of a, of a, a culture of embracing a barbaric lifestyle or a barbaric approach to sport. What do you think of that analysis? So you think... I think the reason people like football... Because it's so violent. Controlled violence. I think it's, it's much more popular than the UFC and even boxing. But I, I think just the aggression... I don't think people want it necessarily in your face. It's a perfect recipe. And what I mean by that is you have a helmet on, so they're like, oh, they're fine. They don't get to see their face bleeding, a la Nate Diaz from last weekend when we watched that yeah. UFC fight. Instead, their faces are covered up by the helmets, but you see some of the just most absolutely aggressive human beings on the face of the planet running full speed, and then just getting laid out by a 290-pound giant human being in just a, absolutely the most aggressive fashion imaginable. I think for some reason people like that. And in the United States, that happens to be something that's embraced and celebrated. And so yeah. I, I think that it, it's part of our culture. I think it's just who we are. I don't know why. And the NFL's really tried to tone that down. I remember a decade ago... You know, NFL Live would have a segment called Jacked Up okay. where they'd show the biggest hits of the weekend. We saw a good one this morning. And they stopped doing that because it's not the image that they want to portray anymore. With uh, concussions, with injuries, remember Sean with lawsuits. Ta- Sean Taylor. Who are some other guys? Steve Atwater from way back when. Um, who, who are some of the, the modern? Terrell Suggs gets some big hits. Cam Chancellor, Earl Cam Thomas, Chance. both hit hard. Okay. Both of the Seahawks safeties. Yeah. But it's not embraced quite as much as it once was, right? No. no. A lot of rules in place now. Do you think that's more to avoid the big hi- highlight real hits, 
or is it just simply to protect the quarterbacks? I guess player safety in general with not hitting with the head or leading, launching yourself, but mostly it's for quarterback safety. There was a uh, an interesting play from an exhibition game yesterday, a preseason game, and Dak Prescott, who going forward must be the future, at least for the first probably six to ten games. Yeah, that, I think that was Thursday night. Thursday night. Yeah. And he threw a, a an interception, but one of the defenders hit him late, hit him after the after the play was whistled dead, and was called for a late hit, which Roger Goodell and the NFL hates. And what happened? Take the they took the interception away. Although that hit impacted the interception and the defensive play in zero fashion. It, it did not at all. contribute to that interception. Dak Prescott and the Cowboys kept the ball. If there's there's such thing as a play that reflects Roger Goodell in the litigious environment that the NFL is becoming, it's that. That had nothing to do with... The interception. The interception. Yeah. You can penalize someone, a team, in another way. Suspend that player next for the rest of that game and the next game maybe. That did not impact that exact play at all. That cornerback or that safety or that linebacker who got that interception, how, how upset would you be? You'd be robbed. How upset would you be with your teammate for the late hit? It's making defenders scared constantly. I don't know that it actually works because you still want to be known as, I mean, if I'm building a defense, who do I want on my defense, Steve? Is even though my Bengals got knocked out, Vontez. Yeah, I want Vontez perfect. I want Pac Man Jones. I want cracked out Lawrence Taylor. Right? You Lawrence want- Taylor is the most devastating hitter and defender of our lifetimes. I know that the Bears won the. Um, I'm sorry. You want the crazies. Bring yeah. the crazies out. Bring the crazies out. Bring the aggression. That's exactly what I want. Vontez, I'm not a big fan, though. I think you, you saw that in that playoff game last year. I think we've discussed this on many accounts. Oh, it, we don't have to get into it. It can nip you in the butt. But I, and as I, a Bengals fan, it, it hits very close to home. Yeah. We uh, don't have to jump into that. I agree with you. Great player. I like the the hard-hitting, fast linebackers. But he's a little, little too crazy for me. <laughs> So is Alden Smith. Would you want him? Probably not, no. You wouldn't want Alden Smith? Okay. I think he's so you're going to go again. Okay, yeah, he is. But you're going to go up and down each defense and you're going to say I want this guy, I don't want that guy. Who what okay, what defense do you want? I think Steve? I think some teams do that already, right? They you don't want choir they, boys? Well, you don't want people suspended all the time or making idiotic choices off the field. I think when you look at the draft, how many people passed on Laramie Tunzel? They don't want that in their locker room. They don't want stupid guys. It's kind of like when I asked Doug, what, what words are we not allowed to say on the air? And his advice was, well, if you wouldn't want your kids to hear it, you shouldn't say it. <laughs> thanks a lot. That really helps. Th- oh, thanks. That's not what I was asking for, Steve. You're not going to get a, de- you a defense. You're not going to get a defensive unit 
that has a clean rap sheet. Nobody's ever used performance-enhancing drugs. Maybe you want people who, instead of going out for beers, they go out and do community service. No, if you're going to get an NFL defense, you're going to get some tough, or an NFL offensive line or anything. So in order to have a good defense in the NFL, yes, you need, what you're saying is you need some guys that have off-the-field issues. I mean, that's not a prerequisite, but it's inevitable. Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram Buzzline is 502-384-1450. We're going to head to the Buzzline now. we got our man Brian the Insider is on the line with us. How are you doing this morning, Brian? I'm doing great, Stephen and Kelly. How are you boys doing this morning? Doing good. What you got for us, Brian? Hey, I tell you, big. Uh, yesterday was the Midsummer Derby at Saratoga. Uh, and, uh, you know, interesting uh, historic Saratoga racetrack. Uh, is is really the place to be if you're in the New York area. Uh, it's great racing. I've been there before. Uh, they've capped the experience at fifty thousand for the for the Travers Day Midsummer Derby. So only fifty thousand can get in, and it allows for uh, people. It's a big picnicking area and stuff. But man, what a great race card they had yesterday! Four or five Grade One, some Grade Two races. I mean, just a it, it was their Derby, and that's why it's called a Midsummer Derby. So the Traverse Stake, a mile and a quarter, just like at the Kentucky Derby, on dirt, uh, you know, for the best three-year-olds in the country, and Exaggerator headlined a full 14-horse field. Matter of fact, if you go back and watch this race, guys, it really looks like the Kentucky Derby. It was the first time they've had a full 14-horse field in, I think, 20 years or so. Exaggerator went off at 2-1. to one. He finished second from last. Guess who won? Bob Baffert, who had had a good day going in, he'd won the King's Bishop. Uh, he he had a horse, Arrogate. He got first and second, the Baffert Exacta, and set a track record. So now you talk about a you throwing the whole three-year-old division into influx. You know, we had Nyquist win the Kentucky Derby. We had Exaggerator win the Preakness, and we had Creator win the Belmont. And then, you know, of course, Exaggerator came back and won the Haskell. And, you know, but, man, out of nowhere now, we've got a brand-new horse. I think he's only run four or five times. He made these guys look like they were, you know, uh, ponies. I mean, he, he got out in front and just ran away with it, the most impressive victory I've seen. And with the way California Chrome's running on the West Coast, we've got Frosted on the East Coast. Everything's pointing towards the Breeders' Cup Classic. Now we've got this new Baffert horse. Who Baffert bought from one of the Sheiks at the Keeneland auction for five hundred and sixty thousand. Baffert single-handedly picked the horse out. Now we got a brand new player in the division, Arrogate, and if he could win the, uh, the you know, he's probably going to train right up to the Breeders' Cup Classic. If he wins that, he's the three-year-old champ. And most of us, including myself, knew very little about this horse going into yesterday. So that's horse racing, guys. What have you done for me lately? Exaggerator, no excuses. He was dead last. Kent DeSormo, I don't know if Kent flipped off the wagon again, maybe. Uh, but the horse was, I mean, way, way back and just way too much for, for him to do. I don't know if he thought he would be out of the television cameras and maybe got him a catnip when he was back there. I don't know. I didn't see the, I didn't see the shot, but something was going on, and he kept the horse. I mean, he was 30 lengths off and then fired and got into traffic and just came up empty, and, and uh, very disappointing. I really thought Exaggerator was going to separate himself 
by this time as the class of the three-year-old division. But lo and behold, Bob Baffert back at it again. Huge day, guys. Huge day at Saratoga for Baffert yesterday. As I said, he had a big undercard and then hits the exacta, the Baffert exacta in the Travers Summer Derby. We're, less, we're about two weeks away from Churchill opening their fall meet, uh, spring, summer, fall meet. I don't know what it is because there's a, there's a late fall meet. September 16th, Churchill will open up again. Just a Friday, Saturday, Sunday program for four weeks. But uh, Ellis Park's doing very good now. Horse racing is really swinging in, and uh, there's some, some races left, but it's really shaping up as a great Breeders' Cup Classic. Once again, at Santa Anita Park, and uh, horse racing's in very good shape, but what a day for Baffert, guys. So, Brian, sounds like a little speculation on your part. Maybe Kent DeSormo fell off the wagon. What do you mean by that? Go back and watch the race. Exaggerator, you know, he is a, he's a closer, but my God, you've got to keep him inside the television screen. I mean, he was, he was so far back in that race. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, you, you can't allow that much to do for a horse. And Baffert's horse just got out on the front end and just ran away with it. And, it, and you know, Gadgerator was never even, never even got to the middle of the pack. So, you know, it's one thing to be a closer. The great Zenyatta, uh, who won 19 out of 20 races, her only loss was at Churchill Downs in the Breeders' Cup Classic. As she was defending her Classic, she'd won the Classic the years the year before. Uh, the Philly had beat the boys in the classic. She wanted to go two for two in the classic. Blame the great blame nipped her at the. So she finished nineteen to twenty. She was a dead closer, but they never left. Mike Smith was on that horse, and he never left that much to do. And she would always get there. But maybe Exaggerator's not nearly as good as I thought. But I thought it was an absolutely horrible ride by Kent Desormo. And the only thing I can credit it to was that he slipped off the wagon. What do? You- Referencing past substance abuse, Kansas Hormos had a lot of uh, as a lot of jockeys have. It's a tough thing to keep that weight down there. And Kent uh, finished second in the Derby uh, on Exaggerator, and in between the Derby and the Preakness, which Exaggerator won, Kent who struggled with substance abuse his whole life. Uh, did finally, finally went in uh, to rehab in between those two races, and then won the Preakness. I'm, I'm being facetious a little bit when I say I think he slipped off the wagon, but it was a horrible ride. Kent's a Hall of Fame rider. He has thrown some bonehead moves in there in his right, racing career. If you don't believe me, go back and watch the real quiet in the Belmont. Real quiet had the, had the triple crown one and then opened up a 15th lane lead uh, on uh, the field in the Belmont and uh, actually started to waved to the crowd a little bit, and Victory Gallup came out of nowhere, shot out of a cannon, and nipped him at the wire, and it cost Baffert and Real Quiet a triple crown. Go back and watch that race, guys. You'll see what I'm talking about. So uh, He's not the best light guy in the business. Uh, he's been very kind of controversial. He's a great rider, but yesterday was not his best, and very disappointing, and I would have loved to see any reaction. His brother, the trainer of Exaggerator, I would, and they've... Uh, you know, they're kind of like those Oasis guys. Uh, forget those uh, English, uh, you know, fight, those guys. Uh, uh, I, bet they, uh, I bet they certainly at least had words, if not exchanged blows after that race. Well, we appreciate the update on horse racing, Brian. Looking forward in the sport, obviously 
all eyes are now on the Breeders' Cup. What's the main storyline going into the Breeders' Cup? Oh, it's one, it's two words, California Chrome. I mean, he is, he, he, I don't think a horse has looked this dominant since Cigar back in 96. I mean, California Chrome has just been making ridicule of the, uh, of, of the older division, uh, you know. But, of course, when you see a track record, they've been running the Travers for 147 years, and Arrogate sets a track record. So, I mean, you never know in horse racing, but clearly the horse in the country right now that all eyes are on is California Chrome. He's been very, very impressive as a five-year-old. And, uh, you know, he's two years removed from his derby win and looking very, very good. But it's, there's going to be a lot of excitement going into this fall for the Breeders' Cup Classic and the other divisions are really shaping up. Uh, there's a dominant horse in the turf division. Won the sword dancer yesterday, Flintshire, uh, a, a horse coming from overseas, went off at one to five and just toyed with the field. So we've got a dominant turf force. Uh, so it's uh, there's some real stars in the class coming up. But boy, go back and watch the Travers guys, and you'll see a track record out of Arrogate, and uh, very very impressive. Brian, if we look back on the year 2016, in let's say 10 or 15 or 20 years. What horses, if there's a hierarchy of active horses, what horses' names deserve to be remembered historically from 2016? That's a great question. At this point, I wouldn't say any three-year-old. I think Nyquist is, is, is we've seen the best out of Nyquist. Nyquist is going to tone it back to a miler. He's not a mile-and-a-quarter horse. We knew that going into the uh, derby. He won the Derby, which was disappointing in my, my opinion. He didn't have the pedigree to go a mile and a quarter. He stole the Derby. I thought Exaggerator was going to be a special horse. Apparently he's not. Apparently he can only run on wet. All of his big wins have been on wet tracks. I say, I hate to go back to it, but I, 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 depending on how California Chrome finishes this year and maybe even comes back as a six-year-old, I think we're looking at a brilliant racehorse and maybe right up there with some of the best older, you know, spend a buck, uh, you know, some of the great horses uh, and, in, in uh, handicap horses. And he won the Derby. I'm sorry? And his past success in the Kentucky Derby. Yes, exactly. So, so, so not, not, only, not, only, not only a he's great career uh, in his older years, uh, but, oh, yeah, he won the Derby. Yeah, that's a good point. Good point, Kelly, because that doesn't always happen. A lot of times, the better older horses develop late, and you know, like Zinyada never even raced as a three-year-old uh, until late in her three-year-old season after the classics were done. So, uh, um, you know, it's uh, it's very uh, unusual to well, it's very unusual to win the Derby and still be in racing two years later. And the reason was, and the reason is, is California Chrome's breeding. He doesn't have the. He's out of a eight thousand dollar not for love mare, and you know they they know that they need to be superior on the racetrack to when he goes to the breeding shed to attract the right you know mares and to get that high price stud fee because California Chrome is not regally bred. He's not commercially bred, and that's why he stayed in it this long. Uh, take Pharaoh for example, American Pharaoh. He was no no thought of running him past his three year old season, uh, and because of he, he's he's out of Pioneer of the Nile, 
uh, I mean, very well-bred and very well-sought-after uh, for a lot of great mares. So um, it's a little bit of luck for the racing community that California Chrome's still in it. I think he, there's a shot he comes back as a six-year-old. He's the all-time winning. He's up over $12 million now. He's won more money. He's the current champion of the Dubai World Classic. He finished second last year in the Dubai. He won it this year very convincingly, and that's the richest horse race in the world. So he is just like an ATM machine, guys, just cashing it in, and uh, I think it's going to continue. Great stuff there from our man Brian, the insider. We appreciate the horse racing update. Before we let you go, Brian, anything else you want to get in on? Just real excited about college football starting. My cards are going uh, Thursday. I'm real excited to see uh, what I think is a very balanced Cardinal team. I think they're going to be explosive on the offensive side. They've got enough pieces that they can stay healthy. You know, they're not, you know, let's be realistic, guys. Louisville's got a very good first team on both sides of the ball, but the key to their success is going to be, and so far they've remained injury-free throughout camp, they've got to keep the injuries out of there because their second unit is not nearly as good as their first unit on both sides of the ball. So injuries are going to dictate how far this Cardinal team will go. Uh, they're playing a very weak Charlotte team Thursday at 7. I'm really excited to see how they not only win that game, but they've got to come out of these early games injury-free because they're going to need everybody on both sides of the ball to compete when they start playing Clemson and Florida State. Good stuff there, Brian. We appreciate your input. Have a great rest of your weekend, and we look forward to hearing from you next Sunday here on the Weekend Sports Bus. Thank you, Brian. Okay, guys. Thanks so much. Good stuff there. Very interesting. I had never never thought about that. Brian uh, described, Steve, an angle on horse racing I'd never heard, which is that American Pharaoh came from such a rich bloodline that upon winning the Triple Crown, he immediately went out to stud. He was worth more money. It's kind of like prize fighting in boxing. Be critical of horses or or owners or or boxers or trainers or or promoters all you want, but what they're going to do almost always falls on the side of what's going to make them the most money, and you cannot blame them for that. That's what markets dictate. But what Brian said is that California Chrome, because he comes from an $8,000 mother, and that's very inexpensive compared to what we just heard about Baffert buying, I forget, $750,000 horse from a $750,000, paying $750,000 for a horse. California Chrome does not come from that kind of background, so he doesn't have that lineage. So he has to work harder in the long run. He has to he has to keep working so that his bloodline is worth more money, and then he'll be able to stud, even though he's already won the Kentucky Derby and the, I think, the Dubai, the, 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 richest, um, the richest race in the world, I think twice. So he's, he's not worth money as a stud yet. I don't know. That's a, a, an interesting angle to follow for me being a novice when it comes to horse racing. Kelly, what a life. Could you imagine just being a horse, winning the triple crown and then just making love the rest of your life for <laughs> money? That's got to be a good feeling. I don't. I mean, prostitution's a very serious issue. No. In, in I, horse racing? No. <laughs> in horse racing. Yeah, you're right. They, they've got a solid life. Nobody wants them to die. Everybody, t- you know, they take very good care of them. They're worth a ton of money. Obviously, bloodlines clearly are worth everything. You got to work much harder if you come from a, a, a common background a la 
California Chrome. But you're right. Uh, that at the rest of your life, you get paid just to be in to a to make barn, love to, to make be- love beautiful horses. Not a bad lifestyle. No. Going forward, we, we've got plenty that we want to get to here on the weekend sports buzz. We haven't really got into Colin Kaepernick's yeah. controversy yet. That's something I want to dive into. We are going to head to a break. I encourage all our listeners to give us a call on the Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram Buzz Line, which is 502-384-1450. Steve and I will be back with more of the weekend sports buzz. Stay tuned. In the morning. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 1450 WXVW. Coming at you as we do every Sunday morning from 9 to 11, talking all things in the world of sports. We got our our weekly fix in from our man Brian the Insider uh, regarding the Traverse Stakes big horse race yesterday. A little bit of a preview for the Preakness we have coming up next month. Also a little bit of historical perspective on the year 2016 from horse racing. Colin Kaepernick, just a few short seasons ago, was one of the more marketable players in the NFL. I remember a specific commercial, I think it was for Under Armour, where it was probably the hottest commercial on television from the NFL, where he was, he, he was, it was a zoom in of Colin Kaepernick, and he was just a marketing machine. Am I exaggerating, Steve? No, you're not exaggerating. He, he was viewed as a, a pocket passer who had the athleticism that many black quarterbacks do, but he was also a good passer, right? Yeah, he won. Also, won some big games in the playoffs. He like won some. Big, he was on a very stout before the the downfall of the great 49ers, Colin Kaepernick was viewed as elite on a team with a very stout defense and a good offensive line. Frank Gore was in his prime. I mean, they had everything going for them with with the the, the Niners. Remember, they got rid of Alex Smith for Kaepernick. Yep. And I don't think it was a bad move. I mean, in hindsight, you probably would want Alex Smith today. But at the time, Harbaugh, who received a nomination for our Balanced Hall of Fame, we'll get to more of that later, a couple weeks ago. He's now at Michigan. Harbaugh was faced with a tough decision, and he chose Kaepernick. I don't think it was a bad decision. Kaepernick at a, pre- or a preseason game yesterday, or was that Thursday? Let's see here. Thursday. Thursday, preseason game, refused to stand for the national anthem. When asked about it, he said, "What? I don't know. I don't have the direct quote in front of me. I'll bring it up here. But what he said was that, why would I stand and support a country that doesn't respect African Americans? A lot of talk has been made of this statement from Colin Kaepernick since his decision. Clearly a very calculated decision. He's making a statement 
regarding civil rights and race race relations in our country. And it is a lightning rod for media attention, not only in the world of sports, but beyond. My take on it, I think, is he can make whatever statement that he wants. I don't know that I, if I were his agent or his advisor, I don't think I would advise him to have done this. I don't think it helps his marketability going forward. But I don't think the NFL or any employer can regulate patriotism. Or how patriotic you are. Do I sound anti-American by that statement, Steve? No. I think being an American in large part, one of the, the things that we fight for and the many great people who have lost their lives for our country and, and stand up for our religious freedom and everything like that, is your ability to make your own decisions. That's what makes America great. I certainly would never do this. I mean, I, I'm not African-American. I don't have the specific interest in it being the perspective that, that, that Colin has. But I think he should be able to do it. I don't think he should even be fined. I don't know if it'll help him get another job or if it'll help him, you know, in his NFL career after, after the NFL. But in some ways, maybe it will. Maybe some sponsors will step forward and want to have a part of that. What do you think? So, so you're saying you don't have a problem with it, but you wouldn't do it. Is that what you're saying? I don't think it's good. I don't think it's good to be anti-U.S. You know, look, if lack patriotism, I don't think it's a good thing. If you live here, you should support our country. But what makes our country great is you don't have to be Christian. You don't have to. You don't have to be ultra patriotic. You don't. Ha- you can come here, and as long as you're not hurting anyone. Get on with your life. Do your okay. thing. That's cool. That's what, what makes America great. I wouldn't have a problem with it if it was somebody that I, that I respected a little bit more. You, you don't respect Colin? Not really, no. I, it, just follow him on Twitter. It's, it's terrible. The, he's, he's what? He just wants attention, what, I feel what, like. What he's doing it for attention. Look, I don't have a huge problem with it either. He's voicing his opinion. He has the right to do so. But, you know, not standing up the national anthem it's more than than that you're talking about the most patriotic league in the country who does probably the most for veterans and troops abroad currently i just the gesture is okay but if you want to change things or you want a better community do do something off the field you have millions of dollars do something in the community if i'm playing devil's advocate which i will i'll wear that hat what type of off-the-field activity could get people talking so, like this? But that's your point exactly. He, he just wants people to talk about him or... I don't, he's state, he's this, not leading with his off-the-field actions. It's more a couple sound bites that are, get him attention. Not, obviously, he's not the same quarterback he was. No one feels like well. Nobody is when their if, team deteriorates. If around he was, them. if he was the star QB right now, top five quarterback in the league, do you think he'd be doing something like this? That's the question I have. I don't. I don't know. I don't think that his skills have necessarily deteriorated. I think that he was on a team when you have a great defense and you're, let's say, Trent Dilfer or anyone or Peyton Manning at the end of your career. It's relatively easy. To look not bad. You got a good offensive line. You got Frank Gore in his prime. I think he's never faced adversity like this. 
<clears throat> and he really doesn't know what to do. So you, you think to start with, he wasn't that elite of a talent? Um, no, he was, he was elite, but this is the first time that he really hasn't been the front runner. Is or, he even a starter? No, I, I think him and they had that preseason game. No, Gabbert, Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, yeah, not Bortles. Bortles is in Jacksonville. Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, but he's they, been around for a while. Is also considered to be a, a, a bust. Neither one of them have played too well in the preseason. I would have just liked to seen him ha- handle it a little differently. I think he's twenty-eight years old. Not an age where you're considered washed up in the NFL as a quarterback at all. Very interesting that this is the, the, the route that he's taking, but I'll, I'll default to I don't agree with it. He's going to have to deal with the consequences, right? Remember Mahmoud Abdul Rauf doing a similar thing? I think it was probably in 95, teammate of Shaq's in college at LSU. Chris Jackson was his name before converting. I think he should be able to do it. Yeah, what, what happened to him after he, he came out? And I think he was suspended. I'm no, I think he up. was out of the league. Pretty, no, no, he had a after. solid career. Phil Jackson, and that name just popped into my head because it's the most relevant comparison I can think of. Phil Jackson actually received, who, once again, Phil Jackson is Phil Jackson. I know this is a different topic. He compared Mahmoud Abdul Rauf to Steph Curry this past year. And everybody's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Rauf wasn't even that good. All right, look. In the 93-94 season, he sparked controversy refusing for refusing to stand for the national anthem and calling the flag of the United States a symbol of oppression. That was in 93-94. He played in the NBA through 98. And then he made a comeback in 2000-2001 with the Grizzlies. That, that, was, uh, that was some time ago. It was. I believe. That was, isn't that wild? 20, yeah, over 20 I think, years ago, um, I remember it. Different time. I th- I, you can do that nowadays and probably not take as much heat. Mm-hmm. But Kaepernick's kind of going, I think they're kind of, they're not very similar. I don't believe so. Do, you don't think these are similar situations? Well, he's kind of talking about the American flag in general. I don't know the exact quote you use, but, you know, every... It kind of offends everybody in America, you know. That's what he was saying. I don't. There's similar. There is some some parallel between the two. Certainly, they're refusing to stand for the uh, national anthem. One says it's for oppression. One says, "Why would I do that when it's for the?" Um, you know, both Afri- born African American. Obviously, African Americans. Um, he was born in Gulfport, Mississippi. Chris Jackson was so not articulating their their political or civil rights stance the exact same way. But the way the NBA dealt with it back in 93-94 was they, the league was able to work out a compromise with him whereby he would stand during the player the playing of the national anthem. And I remember this. But he could close his eyes and look downward. He usually silently recited Islamic prayer during this time. Wild. Listen, I don't have a problem with what he says, but just the history of him and... The way that it coincided with his downward fall. Yes. Okay. That's what rubs me the wrong Grasping way. at straws. If he would have done this, there's been some comparisons. What do you think of this? To Ali. 
Okay, and Ali, famously, the way that he... So, so along with the vein of your argument, Steve, Muhammad Ali knocked out Sonny Liston and then converted to Islam. Are you talking about the fix, the fight that was fixed? Actually, it was after his first fight. The poster that I just pointed uh, at, our listeners okay. cannot see. That, that's all right. Yeah, I just pointed out was, that was the, the fix was the second fight. That's all right. Oh, okay. Everybody considers it to be a fix. I don't think many people consider the first knockout of Liston to no, be a fix. No. He converted to Islam shortly after his big moment. Okay? He, was in, he had shocked the world, and he converted to Islam. And he made a statement regarding civil rights at a time in our country where there was significant turmoil, which you could argue there is today. You could argue. So, so there's different, different perspectives on it. But regardless, in the vein of your argument, Steve, or your, your point, he did it on his upward trajectory. He did it right when he shocked the world. He made a statement. For that reason, he'll forever be remembered as a civil rights figure. Colin Kaepernick did not do it when he, I think that he took the 49ers to the NFC Championship game. He went to the Super Bowl. He went Bowl. to the Super Bowl, yeah, that's he right. He beat the Packers in the NFC Championship That's game. right. So they, why didn't he do it then? Had he done it well, then, had he done it then, Steve Driver, would your opinion be different? Well, a lot of the issues that are happening now weren't happening then on a, such a wide scale. Ali, that, that was a different time too. And no one else was saying anything. Civil rights was a bit different back then. But Kaepernick now has has the money to go rebuild a community. I don't. I don't think Ali did back then. It's such a different time. It's hard for me to compare the two. But if you're saying that if I'm, you know, I'm saying Kaepernick, I did. I didn't agree with it very much. So if I don't agree with that. You, you're basically saying I shouldn't agree with what Ali did. No, because I'm not. That's, I, I do, you know, I support Ali, a great figure. Even even civil rights. No, I, I, I'm, but, not, I'm not saying that, that you should be equally critical of Ali. What I'm saying is I'm trying to articulate your point is that Ali did it at the most, yes. when, he, when he was in the, the public eye the most, yeah. after he had knocked Liston out. Yeah. Keep in mind at that time in 1962, I think was the year, Liston was known as the Mike Tyson of that era, scariest man in the world. Ali knocked him out. Cassius Clay knocked him out. Yeah, you're right. I, I'm basically saying Kaepernick is doing it for the wrong reasons. He's doing it for the wrong yes. reasons, and the timing is what upsets you. Yeah. Okay. But should the NFL fine him or work out? I mean, if, if there's any type of a comparable scenario, which would be 22 years ago, It'd be Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf or Chris Jackson, whatever yeah, you want to call Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to get suspended or fined, and I don't believe he should okay. be suspended or fined. Okay, well, that, fair enough. Then that, that, I think we're on the same page. I'm not saying that I think it was a good move. But I, what I think is, is relevant is I think that freedom of, 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 of um, speech is, is a very important part of our country, and I don't think that – I think – Roger Goodell's tenure in the NFL is a very interesting topic to me. Profits have soared. Me too. I think I, I think it's a. We can go on and on about that. I could talk about Goodell for days. But if he steps in and and he were to penalize Kaepernick for this, 
I mean, look at the, the um, level of criticism he has received already. Infringing on someone's freedom of speech? That, I mean, Yeah, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You're right. No, it's if not. anything, it'll happen internally. Chip Kelly made... Chip maybe. Kelly's his coach, the guy who's documented people. <laughs> That's right. I forgot that Chip Kelly was his coach. The guy who LaShawn McCoy came out and said is definitely racist, makes racist comments in the locker room. That's his coach. I forgot about that angle. So this could possibly not help him too much when it comes to getting the starting gig. What kind of friction going forward when, he, he, when, the, when, the, when the 49ers are 0-5 and they're not even giving Colin Kaepernick a chance to play? Do you think Kaepernick's just going to sit by whereas a, a Caucasian quarterback continues to take the snaps? I don't think he wants to be there in general at, at this point. I think he he wanted to get traded in the offseason. We talked about Colin Kaepernick, I think it was last week or the week before, in the light that he held out for a lot of the training camp. I think it was considered a holdout. He thought he was going to be traded. They were telling him that you might. You're, we're trying to trade you. And he's been hurt. Okay. But I think in the offseason, he wanted to be named the starter, and they wouldn't. So then he basically wanted to be traded. What type of a situation? Because keep in mind, as much as we liked, and we haven't even gotten to Tony Romo, as much as we like to be critical of NFL quarterbacks, it seems that that's almost America's favorite pastime. Not baseball, not football, criticizing NFL quarterbacks. That's our favorite pastime now. There's not that many good quarterbacks in the NFL, really. No, but like you said, Kaepernick was elite. A lot of it is based on right situation, right coach, right scheme. But who's I, around you? I guess that's my question. What situation, or is there a situation that's right for him where he could flourish in 2016? Well, you got to think about be. quarterbacks that I mean, teams that need quarterbacks at this point. G- give me an example. I mean, would he be good in Seattle? Yeah, but they don't need a quarterback. So to pick a team that does need a quarterback, would he be as good as Russell Wilson? No. Okay. Yeah. But you, that's they easy. they used to battle all the time back and forth, Seattle and San Fran. I know. Yeah. So he was on the same level as Russell Wilson. If Jim Harbaugh had stayed and Justin Smith and Alden Smith and whatever that linebacker. Chris Borland. The guy who just retired, even though he was just in his prime. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Patrick Willis. Patrick Willis. (laughs) Oh, my God. If all those guys wouldn't have just up and retired and the whole entire 49ers franchise had just disintegrated right in front of Colin's face. I mean, he was riding high at the beginning of his career out of, like, Nevada or something. What school did he go to? I think you're right there. Uh, Whatever school it was, I'll bring it up here. See, Nevada or Arizona, I think it's Nevada. I think you're right. But whatever it was, he was riding high, and they were doing great. Yeah, Nevada. Second-round pick. A lot of great quarterbacks. Harbaugh just ruffled too many feathers. Trent Balky, uh, Ted York, I believe that's his first name. They didn't get along with them. So then you get them out of there and look at your team now. Isn't that unbe- unbelievable? Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram Buzzine is 502-384-1450. We would love to hear your feedback, your comments on the Colin Kaepernick situation. For me, it's a very polarizing topic. It intrigues me. Not only the recent revelations of Colin Kaepernick, but as I said, Steve, you and I, I think it was last week, we were discussing Colin Kaep- the state of Colin Kaepernick because he's 28 years old. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think his skills have absolutely no, deteriorated. He has a lot of time left. Tony Romo's 36. I'm a Bengals fan. I don't. Maybe he'd be just as good as Andy Dalton. 
with that defense, who knows? You're a Browns fan. Would you rather have him or RG3? I don't know. I think if he needs to go into any situation, it would probably be with a successful. Stop. Yeah, and the Browns aren't that. What about the Broncos? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we'll have to get to that in the second hour. But as of right now, the Broncos starting quarterback, the, oh yeah, the reigning Super Bowl champions. What's the name of their starting quarterback, Steve? I forgot. <laughs> Tyler Siemens? No, Simeon. Simeon's okay. You were close. It, very close, though. Interesting spelling there. His name's Tyler, right? Trevor. Trevor, okay. But, but they also where the have... hell did that guy come from? I read a stat where they said that the first time in the history of the NFL were the reigning NFL champions... Starter and backup, neither of them have ever taken an actual NFL snap. Yeah, but for that to be right, you need to know who your starter and backup is. Is it Mark Sanchez? Is it Paxton Lynch? Trevor Simeon? For the sake of my argument, I'm just going to say Sanchez will be third. For the sake of my point. I don't know, but, but I think Colin Kaepernick's better than any of those three right now. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Kubiak could probably do some pretty good things with him there. He's got an arm. He's got legs. But he's six four. The Broncos should have, you know, they let Osweiler leave. He took the he took the money and ran. Who th- who would have thought they would have been in this situation after winning the Super Bowl with one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time? To just not have a starting quarterback. I th- it seemed but, to me that they were pretty desperate when they drafted Paxton Lynch. I think they moved up and then into the first round to get him. But it, as much as you say one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, he had one of the worst yes, but, seasons for a Super Bowl winning quarterback ever. So he wasn't but but right he was now, basically an offensive Would you rather have Peyton Manning or Simeon oh, starting? Uh, obviously. I've even never with heard that of season last year. I've never heard of Simeon, and I don't know that that's how you pronounce his name. Yeah, you're... you're Totally correct on that. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'll take his word for it, firsthand. I guess. Yep. We're going to head to a break. Steve and I will be back with more of the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 1450 WXVW. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 1450 WXVW. I'm Steve Driver alongside the black-eyed Kelly Patrick. Just wrapping up some talk on some uh, Colin Kaepernick. I'd like to jump to another NFC quarterback, Mr. Tony Romo. Let me give give you um, a few lines here, Kelly. 2008, 2010, 2013, he had a broken right pinky, broken left collarbone, ruptured disc. And then in the past three years, you have two transverse uh, process fractures in the back, 
a broken left collarbone, and a compression fracture this year. That's three, two back injuries, plus a collarbone. Expected to miss six to ten weeks, 36 years old. How much confidence do you have in him coming back midseason and making a push for the playoffs? I'm going to take the angle on this that I think it's a blessing in disguise for the Cowboys in a way. What I mean by that is, regardless, you have a 36-year-old quarterback, you have to plan for your future, right? Yeah. You, I guess you don't have to. You can be in the situation the Broncos are in. To say that this is a blessing in disguise, though, I think is very stupid. They need to learn to win without Tony Romo. Yeah, but... Very stupid. Yeah, yeah, I but like how you did not sugarcoat that. Very stupid. When he played an entire year, I think, or maybe he missed one game, you know, they go 10-6 and six or 11-5. and five. They, they, they won the division outright. Now, you're just treading water, trying to stay above the water. Oh, you are. Yeah, yeah. clearly, in a perfect world for Jerry Jones and the entire Cowboys organization, clearly... Ideally, you would have him play 16 games a year, every year, until he retires, right? But that's not realistic in today's NFL. It's not realistic for Tom okay, Brady. But it's not realistic for uh, Peyton Manning. It's not realistic for Aaron Rodgers always. I guess Aaron Rodgers is pretty this is durable. A, this is on another level, though. Four straight season with it, with uh, missing at least one start. Oh, he, I know. He's he, so f- he's fragile. very fragile. Very. And the numbers reflect... That he is in a Peyton Manning in his prime style, so valuable to the success of this team. When he's in the starting lineup, they win at a elite clip. What were they last year? Four and zero. He missed the first twelve. Or wait, I'm sorry, he missed twelve games. And what did they go? One and. One and eleven. Yeah, he missed twelve games last year. They went one and eleven, and they much- started the season four and zero. Is that right? I'm not positive on that. I'm- I, I don't have it in front of me. I'll bring it up. But as much as everybody likes to hate on Tony Romo, when he plays, he is elite. Yes, and as much as everybody likes to hate on the Cowboys, people across the country talk about them more than other teams, and they're not even that good. No matter what, Jerry Jones and the Jerry Dome and his sons, and everything that goes into the Cowboys, whether or not they are America's team, as they were in the Jimmy Johnson era, they are relevant. People care about them. They have fans in a similar light to the Pittsburgh Steelers, maybe even beyond that. Across the country, people care about the Dallas Cowboys. I'm not saying that they're... They're beyond any other franchise. But before the Patriots started winning these Super Bowls with Tom Brady, nobody would have ever considered them to be in the same realm as the Cowboys. And I don't know that post-Tom Brady, the Patriots organization will have that type of aura. I don't think it will. I think the Cowboys, for some reason, everything's bigger in Texas. Texas embodies the... the, I mean, you said it earlier, Steve. The NFL is... The most patriotic league out of all professional sports in the state of Texas, regardless of what your opinions are on Texas and politically or your which way you lean politically, Texas embodies a patriotic nature in a way that other states do not in our country. 
Fair enough. It does. I, I mean, it, it'll upset some people to, to, to consider them America's team. What do you think of the statement, America's team? No, because people, people love them or love to hate them, almost like the New York Yankees. So even, I, I don't love them. So even if you don't like the, like them, you can find some areas to talk about I think that we, are very interesting. In the preseason, Dak Prescott played great. Everybody was talking about Dak Prescott, preseason Hall of Fame, right? <laughs> yeah. That was before Tony Romo's injury. Yeah, but with Tony Romo, you're competing for a playoff spot, maybe wild card spot. They have a terrible defense. He takes a lot of pressure off of their defense. I think he could have done that this year, kept them afloat, maybe gunning for a wild card spot, maybe even winning the division. You have Ezekiel Elliott and Des Bryant, but now that he's hurt, there's going to be so much pressure on Dak. If they had a if they had a solid defense, it wouldn't be as gut wrenching as it is to lose Tony Romo. If you're going to walk into a situation, how how would Colin Kaepernick do there? Pretty well. I'd, I don't I don't they, know that he's quite the the quite the pocket passer. The Cowboys' defense is terrible. Is it man. really? Awful. Still? Yes. Did you watch, um, did you get to see any of the preseason highlights the other night of the Cowboys? Ezekiel Elliott yeah, I made saw his he preseason debut. pretty good. You're, you're a Buckeyes Ooh. fan. I mean, he was running through Cam Chancellor. Did you see that? I did not. Just trucking him. And they, and they have one of the best offensive lines yes. in the NFL. I, I think an underrated an underrated aspect of NFL football, in my opinion, is the ability for a strong defense to mask a subpar quarterback. And I think in a similar light, if you have an elite offensive line and running game, you can mask a weak defense. Oh, if executed correctly. To, to a certain extent. But at the same time, you have this great offensive line. Let's give the ball to Elliott 20 to 25 times. Have a slow pace to the game. Run the clock. But with that defense, they could get behind so early. You're going to have to throw the football. Yeah. I think the defense is, I mean, they could be good with that offensive line and running game. But the defense is just going to let up too much. And they're going to be have to play. They'll be playing catch up the rest of the game. They still have uh, Wade Phillips. I'm bringing up their coaching staff. Yeah, no, how bad is their no, defense? No, Wade Phillips isn't there. He's in Denver. Okay. Yeah, Wade Phillips was never the defensive coordinator there, was he? Who was there? They had a, a big name as a defensive coordinator. I'll bring it up. Who, Rob Ryan? Um. I think Rob Ryan was most recently with the Saints, right? Yeah. Are you talking about... Rod um, Marinelli. He's no bum. Leon Lett is their defensive tackles coach. <laughs> Remember him? Uh, they have some talent, but I think they don't have any pass rushers. I think they have some corner. I mean, Skandrick and uh, Claiborne. Did they have some injuries last year? What was the guy with the sexual assault? They have a lot. They, they have Greg some, Hardy. He's, yeah. He's not on the team He's anymore. not on the team anymore. But have they not? Did they not bring anyone in? Have they not made improvements to their defense? No, and I think second second round, 
They took Elliott with the fourth overall pick. Second round, you need a pass rusher to step in and play right away. Who do you draft? Jalen Smith from Notre Dame, who's not going to play at all this season. Why? In that bowl game against Ohio State, he blew out his knee. Oh, okay. So he's got some nerve damage. They don't even know if he's going to come back for sure. You need a pass rusher to come in and contribute right away. Regardless, regardless of how bad their defense is, the spotlight is on Dak Prescott now in this offensive line, in Ezekiel Elliott, and in a way that other teams are not going to experience, Dak Prescott has an opportunity to really make a name for himself, despite being, I think it was a fourth-round pick, and not that much hype coming out as a, a potential NFL quarterback. Could develop into something special. Yeah. It could happen. When you got an offensive line like that, you got talent, you got Des Bryant, you have the opportunity to yeah. possibly make a, a big statement and a big name for yourself and to, to uh, change the trajectory of this Cowboys organization as an aging. I mean, it seems like over the past five years, Tony Romo has been considered on the verge of being washed up and, and too fragile to, to build on. Oxmoor Chrysler, Dodge Jeep, and Ram Buzzline is 502. 384-1450. We're going to head to the buzz line now. We have our man Marcus is on the line with us. How are you doing this morning, Marcus? Well, I, I was doing pretty well and, until we started talking about, uh, you know, poor Tony Romo and, and all the stuff he's had to go through. Okay. What, what, what's your take on this, this Cowboys situation? What do you mean by that? Well, you know what Jimmy Johnson used to say, how about them Cowboys? Well, let me tell you something about the Cowboys. They sucked. Jerry Jones is a joke. The whole idea that they're America's team is complete nonsense. You know, years ago, I can't remember if it was the Buffalo Bills when they used to routinely kick the Dallas Cowboys. They were asked about how does it feel to play America's team? And one of their players said, America's team? Have you seen those stupid uniforms they wear? We wear red, white, and blue. Maybe we're America's team. And quite frankly, if there's an America's team today, it ain't the Dallas cowgirl cry baby, oh, we're so good, but we can't win any games. It's the New England Patriots. Let me tell you something about the Cowboys. They're the most overrated, inept, wife-beaten, Greg Hoppy franchise in the NFL. ESPN, just a couple of weeks ago, came out with a list of all the Cowboys, cowgirls, crybabies, whatever you want to call them, that have been suspended by the NFL for off-the-field crap. It's twice as long a list as any other team. Okay? It's nothing but a gang culture, thug, out of control. They're probably down there waving guns at each other in the locker room like they used to do in Oklahoma. Oh, and by the way, one of former crooked-ass coaches, Barry, I paid every one of my recruits money to come here, Switzer, was the coach of the Dallas Cowboys. What a shock he would be picked to coach there because he fits in so perfectly with the culture. Wow. Okay. Jerry Jones should go get some more plastic surgery and get his skull stretched a little bit more. Put <laughs> team to somebody who knows how to own a professional franchise. The Dallas Cowboys record over the last five years, you know what it is? 40 and 40. That is the definition of mediocrity. Tony Romo's joke. Wow. All right. Well, thank you. He blocked more games in the fourth quarter. And the, you know what? All right. If I'm playing Tony Romo and we're in the playoffs, I am happy. 
because no matter what he's done in the first quarter or the first half of the season, when it comes right down to it, there's a big hole below his rib cage and above his nuts because he's gutless <laughs> and soft. All right, I'm going to cut you off there, Marcus. Thank you for the call. Wow, that was wow. amazing. Marcus really bringing some heat. I had to cut him off there. That I don't know how long he would have kept going, but he seemingly was was pulling out statistics. Uh, 40 and 40 over the last five years. I mean, obviously that's mediocre. Epitome of mediocrity, as he said. You think that's right? You I, say I agree games with in five um, years. What's sixteen times five? I agree with him on the Jerry Jones stuff, but the the Romo, yeah, he gets hurt all the time. It but, is eighty. But sixteen the times reason, five is eighty. Wow. The reason those they were close in those games in the fourth quarter that he loses is because he's on that team. I I think if he was playing this year that he can win them a lot of games despite their defense. Oh, no question. No question. Or at least keep them competitive. All I took away really from that call was Marcus really hates the Cowboys. Yeah. Fair enough, though. Didn't sound like a Cowboys fan. A lot of people do. A lot of people do. That's what you said. They're kind of like the the Yankees. And for those of you who who really want to, (laughs) thank God we've already got Marcus off the line because I'm sure, I know he hates the Yankees, but the Yankees have won like 14 World Series. And the Cowboys have won five Super Bowls. But you have to keep in mind, baseball's been around twice the amount, or more than twice the amount of time as the NFL. So it's a different animal. Cowboys have won a lot. They've won three times under Jerry, Jerry Jones. So, I mean, it, it, it's an interesting, uh, intriguing storyline. I don't think they're going to be very good this year. But it could happen. You never know. Yeah, Jones has made too many mistakes, I think. Drafting defensively, he talked about guys waving waving around guns in Texas. I mean, look no further than than Orlando McLean, who let a gun go off next to somebody's ear. You know, he's he'll be suspended a couple games this year. Wasn't there something about Ezekiel Ezekiel Elliott yeah. already coming? He would go to marijuana. What was it? it fill our listeners in on that. Uh, they played Seattle in Seattle, third preseason of. Third preseason game of the of the year, he walked into a marijuana dispensary and um, didn't buy anything. Just looked around. Jerry Jones reiterated that it didn't look good. Didn't look good. And it wasn't illegal. But at the same time, he'll pick up Greg Hardy and Lay Lay Collins, offensive lineman from LSU, who went undrafted because he could have been involved in a murder. And then Rolando McClain, who no one wanted to touch. Out of Greg Hardy, who threw his girlfriend on a couch with covered in guns. I mean, so, so you, he's you, a bit backwards. Jerry Jones is a bit backwards. They have a lot of talent on this team. He wants to win at all costs. They, they should be better, though. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you brought in Johnny Manziel to be the backup tomorrow. Would that, you? There's been rumors of that, and who knows? Maybe it'd be a good move. So uh, you're right. I, it wouldn't surprise me. One thing that Jerry Jones has shown repeatedly is he has money and he's not afraid to take risks. I say have hard knocks be on the Cowboys every year, HBO hard knocks, and have Johnny Manziel come in. Even if he, he you know, has a horrible year, keep him on the roster. I, I, I like to see – I'm not a Cowboys fan, nor do I really hate them. I want to see a train wreck. 
I'm not going to lie about that. Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram Buzz Line is 502 384-1450. We're going to head to the buzz line now where we got our man. The Truth is on the line with us. How you doing this morning, Truth? All right. Uh, that's the exact person, team, I want to talk about, the cowgirls. All right. The, cow, the cowgirls got an owner who, like you said, got a lot of money, don't have no wisdom about sports. He has wisdom about money, but sometimes he's a fool. They say a fool was destroy his own self with his own money. The difference between him and Al Davis, Al Davis had a lot of uh, bad people on his team. He won Super Bowl, and Dallas got a good deal with Minnesota and got a lot of players, and that's why they won the Super Bowl. Bad business for Minnesota. Okay. But, but, but Jerry, the Cowboys have won five Super Bowls. Three of them since Jerry Jones has been the owner. So they have had success. Well, you're right, but when I'm did you hear what I said? He got a stupid business deal. Minnesota gave him for a, a washed up Herschel Walker. That's they right. thought they were gonna they thought they were gonna win the Super Bowl. They gave them all these picks and you brought one of the best football college coach over there, Jimmy Johnson, yeah. and he would know how he know how to pick people. He's like uh, Jerry West. He's a great general manager. Okay, that's fair, and that, that makes sense. That Herschel Walker trade was reminiscent of the way the Redskins unloaded everything. Remember, just a few short years ago to get Robert Griffin the third, right? I think that's the only comparable trade that I can think of. Uh, who, who was it that they made that trade with, Steve? That was with the Rams. That was with the Rams, okay. And the Rams, I guess, have went on to do at least a little better than the Redskins, but it, it, didn't, ha- it didn't result in three Super Bowls, so it's a little different. But you're right, Truth, that's a historical trade to look back on where they got so much talent out of just the, the overhyped Herschel Walker. And, and you see, you see, this stuff like that, her franchise. But we know Cowboys. It's like uh, they got money. They got the state, and they like the Yankees. The only thing different, the Yankees. Yankees win championships, and I know the Cowboys got three Super Bowls. That that's. But look at it now. Look at how they drive like a prune. Uh Tony Romo need to go on, retire for he being a wheelchair for the rest of his life, and that's for real. You can't keep on playing with your back and have a major injury like that because you're going to get old one day. Mm-hmm. So he needs to just go ahead and hang it up. Truth, we appreciate your call. Before we let you go, anything else you want to get in on? Um, I'm getting ready for football season. We'll talk about that uh, next week, college football. Thank you very much for the call, Truth. Have a great rest of your weekend. We will talk with you next weekend. Good stuff there from our man, Truth. Yeah, but was was he trying to say that Al Davis was better than Jerry Jones? An interesting take. How many Super Bowls did Al Davis win? Because he was there for a long time. I think it's just as these owners get older. Super Bowls talk. How many Super Bowls did Al Davis win? I don't. I don't know. I just remember that he had some of the worst draft picks. In the history of the NFL. But early on in his tenure, he had success. So the, if there's such thing as a parallel to Jerry Jones, it's Al Davis, right? Yeah. Um, 
in the Raiders, Raider Nation, you could draw a, somewhat of a comparison between that fan base and the Cowboys, right? Yeah, Raiders were successful in the 70s. Cowboys in the Cowboys, I mean, they, they were also successful in that time period, but more recently in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And the Raiders only had a string of a few years where, you know, they went to the AFC Championship game, the, the Tuck Rule. So recently the Cowboys have probably had more success. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. The Ra- Speaking of which, the Raiders should be good this year, right? Yeah, they should. Khalil, Khalil Mack. Probably the second best offensive line in the league. Okay. And you have a very, in a very young, stout good defense, defense. Good quarterback. Yeah, second year quarterback. So you just hope that he plays as well as he does. He did the, his rookie year. We are officially post Peyton Manning. Still, Tom Brady could have. I mean, Tom Brady is the ageless wonder. He could win the MVP this year, right? Even though he's going to miss four games. Possibly. It could happen. At some point, he's going to drop off. Out of this young crop of quarterbacks, who are you a believer in? Are you are you talking besides Cam Newton? Well, okay. Well, then let's younger than that, as in no yeah, Derek Carr include, and Jameis Winston. In, include Cam Newton in it. If you could have one quarterback outside of Aaron Rodgers, Whew. Drew Brees, Tom Brady, who would it be? Cam Newton. Above Joe Flacco? Yeah. Yeah. Clearly. Okay, who else is in that conversation? There's a lot of young, you know, first, second-year quarterbacks I like, as in Derek Carr, Bridgewater, Jameis Winston. I think they'll all be pretty good. Cam Newton's at the top of that list, though. Remember how bad we thought they'd be last year? I know he's got a great defense, but he had no weapons on offense whatsoever. What team is this? Was it the Panthers? Oh, okay. You're right. They had no. You're right. Everybody, Kelvin, uh, Kelvin Benjamin was out for the year. Cam Newton, offensively, single-handedly, dominated. Ten, I could see ten rushing touchdowns for a quarterback. Yeah, I bet the league leader in rush running backs had around thirteen or so. Yeah, and he had ten. I could see in time me becoming a advocate of defending. Cam Newton, in a similar light to how I've defended LeBron James. I don't think you get any points taken away. It's not like, oh, Cam Newton lost in the Super Bowl. Ha, 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 he sucks. Right? No. He carried in an unprecedented fashion that offense. Am I exaggerating? The offense, yes. To the Super Bowl. The team. They have a Charles Johnson. very good defense. They lost the one guy, didn't they? The, the DB? Yes. To the Redskins? Is their defense still going to be that level, that caliber of a defense that could, in large part, help carry them to the Super Bowl? Yeah, I think it should be. They still got the defensive uh, pass rusher. They got I think Luke, it's Charles Johnson, right? Luke Keekley, yes. Keekley. And they've got other elite talent. A lot of storylines, a lot of potential directions for the NFL to head. Parody is always the name of the game when it comes to the NFL. Always. It always will be. It always has been. Every team, even you as a Browns fan, you're intrigued right now. Yeah. As a Reds fan before Major League Baseball this season, I, w- I wasn't that excited. You're excited. You never know. They could go 8-8. Eight and eight. 
Yeah, I watched him the other night, man. I don't think we're going eight and eight. Could happen though. RG three got sacked five times in the first half. But you're right. I mean, a uh, preseason ball does not necessarily mean. Did you know does, that does not depict what your season will be like? When the Lions went zero and sixteen, you know what their preseason record yep, was? Four and zero. Everybody was really excited. Going to be a good year. Yeah. Oh yeah, they had sixteen regular season games. They didn't win a single one. Yeah. Not a single one. I went down to uh, Tampa last year and watched Tampa Browns in, wow, in Tampa Bay preseason game. I didn't know that. And I thought the Buccaneers looked like the worst team in the league. They ended up being pretty solid, I think, at one point, six and six. Ended the year six and ten. But I didn't see that coming. I thought they were going to be two and fourteen. Where does Jameis Winston rank in this hierarchy of, of young quarterbacks? He's up there, I think. Cam Newton's number one, you just said. Remove Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, yeah. and Tom Brady, the old guys. I'd need a list of all I don't think Joe Flacco's young. I I don't Ben Roethlisberger's not young. So if you want to go in the league for Eli five years, not young. five years or less, I, Cam Newton's at the top. Jameis Winston's number two. That's tough. I don't. You have Bridgewater, Carr, Bortles, Andrew Luck. Luck, yeah, we conveniently just forgot about him. He had a bad year. I do take I. I'd probably still take Cam Newton over Andrew Luck, though. Okay. Would you? Click. Yeah, I would. Russell Wilson, he's young. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can't forget about him. He's young. He's probably 28. You think he's 28? Yeah, should be around there. No, he he's elite. He's 27. And he's won a Super Bowl. Should have been two. On the cusp of two Super Bowls. We're going to head to a break. We appreciate everybody tuning in to the Weekend Sports Bus here on 1450 WXVW. I want to encourage our listeners to give us a call on the Oxmoor, Chrysler, Dodge Jeep, and Ram Buzz Line, 502-384-1450. Be sure to stay tuned. Steve and I will be back with more of the Weekend Sports Buzz. Stretched and keep them wide. Balance, balance, keep your balance to the other side. Tightrope walking. Welcome back to the weekend sports buzz here on 1450 WXVW. I'm Steve Driver alongside the weak, black eyed pro jujitsu Kelly Patrick. Was that the balance theme song I heard? Was the balance theme song? It's a it's an intricate part of our show, ingrained in the culture that we're creating here. And I feel we have a, a potential nominee. We uh, after extensive research for those of our listeners who are not aware, Steve and I both believe the key to happiness is a balanced lifestyle. 
And that doesn't mean necessarily that you have to live on the straight net, straight and arrow at all times. But it, it means you got to have some good balance, too. You can't get too carried away in either direction. Um, the two members of this prestigious Hall of Fame thus far are Derek Jeter and Rob Gronkowski. We don't feel those are debatable. We have said uh, there's the potential Rob Gronkowski could lose his spot as his narrative is, is yet to be entirely written. But thus far, we have no reason to think he's not a part. He's not worthy. We have one more, one person we think is a potential nominee we may be inducting next week. Yeah, we have to do a little more research just to be absolutely positive. But from the early look, he looks like a good candidate. You want to tell him who it is, Kelly? Doc Ellis is a pitcher uh, born in 1945. He pitched in the major leagues. From 68 through 79. Very outspoken individual. Jackie Robinson said he did more for the civil rights movement than anyone else except in Jackie Robinson's opinion. He was a little outspoken, which is fine by me. I don't have a problem with that. I don't think you do either, Steve. Nope. He'll always be remembered for that. Always be remembered for, uh, he was an all-star in 1971. World Series champion that same year. Pitched a no-hitter on June 12, 1970. Thus far, we haven't found any real negative no. domestic assault. We're going to do additional research this year. Um, domestic assault or anything that would infringe on the safety of anyone else. That's a, that is a, a prerequisite. We like to party, but we you don't need to be out drinking and driving. Putting anyone else at risk. So thus far, we've painted a pretty clean-cut picture of this Doc Ellis. He won. He won a World Series. He won a World Series. He, he pitched for the Pirates, Yankees, Oakland A's, Texas Rangers, Mets, and and ended his career in '79 with the Pirates. Yes, and uh, as we get into his party and lifestyle, um, the viewers might might think, "Oh my God, this guy's <laughs> insane." You're trying to brace everybody, but but you have to realize that some good came of this mm-hmm. as he got older. So why don't you fill us in, Kelly? He is quoted as saying when he pitched his one no-hitter, he was on LSD. So he's tripping on acid. He's also been quoted as saying he didn't play a single game in the major leagues. That he was sober. That he was not using some form of drugs. Great pitcher. Great pitcher. Great pitcher. He was an all-star. He he had a good career. He played 11 years. He was the locker room comedian. He... He was in the bullpen at one point with curlers in his hair. <laughs> and upon sobering up in 1980, when his son was very young, and that was the reason he became sober, he remained sober and devoted the remainder of his life to counseling drug addicts in treatment centers and prisons. Yeah, I think we have a good candidate. I, I like it. Um, the, the culture, up until 2003, when Bud Selig was... His hand was forced to begin testing for steroids and different types of drugs in a way that had never previously been done. Keep in mind, the culture of Major League Baseball was when we're using was simply a part of the lifestyle of baseball players. It's not glorious. Everyone doesn't like to always talk about it. But in every clubhouse, there was a caffeinated 
pot of coffee in a decaffeinated pot of coffee. The decaf was considered, or it was called leaded and unleaded is what it was. The, the unleaded was, was simply normal black coffee with caffeine in it. And the, the leaded was coffee with amphetamines in it. Everybody used. And you could say that even today it's still a dirty sport. Doesn't mean I don't like it. But keep in mind, he pitched from 68 through 79. A large percentage of the people in baseball were using. And he certainly was one of them. But he didn't infringe on anybody's safety. He, he was never arrested for any sexual misconduct. He didn't have any, there was no, nobody said anything about anything along those lines. He had a, a good 11-year career. And he, he made some very good, he impacted others in a positive way. His yes. career ERA yeah. was 3.46. His win-loss record was 138-119, so he's clearly above 500. I think he's a solid candidate. He died December 19, 2008 at the age of 63. Doc Ellis. Yeah, there is a 30 for 30 on him as well, if people want to go watch that. We're going to do a little bit of additional research, but Doc Ellis is potentially going to be inducted next week into the balance. Good, good. Fame. There's also some people who don't have a chance of ever making the balance Hall of Fame. All right. Um, we have, you touched on this earlier, the Florida State strength coach. Yeah, this is not what the Balanced Hall of Fame is no. representative of. The, um, the, the, the strength coach who is one of, one of Jimbo Fisher's most important assistants. Yes. What happened to him this past few days ago? Uh, his last name is Valoria. I, I believe Victor Valoria. He uh, fell asleep at the wheel with his truck in drive and his foot on the brake pedal. He had already launched the vehicle up an embankment missing a utility pole, and hitting an electric crosswalk sign. This was Friday night. Yes. Um, he told police he was coming from work where he drank multiple big alcoholic beverages. In he his, said, quote, big. In his office on FSU's campus. So that that could come back to haunt him. I, this, <laughs> could come back to haunt him? I, I mean, the on-campus. I'm surprised the FSU police even reported it. <laughs> Have you seen any of those Jameis Winston stories? Jameis Winston and another guy who may end up winning an MVP in the Super Bowl in the NFL. Yeah. Not getting in the Balance Hall of Fame. That, uh, Baylor, Waco, Texas police seem to be on the hand-in-hand hand with the Tallahassee police. They both really try to cover up their football players. Message. I watched a special. And keep in mind, uh, what is that Netflix thing about the mur- making of a murderer? Yeah. You can watch an entire special and be convinced that a case is slanted one way, and it's clear-cut. But everything has a bias. But I did watch a special about the Jameis Winston case that made it seem like he for sure is guilty Is guilty of rape. Not necessarily true. And it's, uh, imagine if it's, that's a horrible, imagine if he's innocent. How horrible would that be, right? Yeah. We don't know. Kobe, Kobe Bryant may be innocent of his rape charges. Mike Tyson may I be. I think Kobe is innocent. Do you? Of his what about Mike Tyson? Well, he's found guilty, right? Yeah. But you, do you think this strength coach story would be bigger news if it was, I mean, locally, UofL, absolutely. I think it is a big story. Florida but, State's one of the biggest programs in the country. I feel like it hasn't been that huge of a story, though. Kind of seems like stuff in at Florida State kind of gets swept under the rug. I don't think you're going out on much of a limb there. Florida State, the state of Florida is huge into football. 
not just the University of Florida, not just Miami, not just you know, not just the yeah. Florida State Seminoles, but it's a big deal down there. Yeah, and then you see staying in the the state of Florida, University of Miami had their top three leading tacklers last season. Top three leading. I don't, I don't know if it was leading tacklers, but but their leading tackler. Yeah, this Jermaine Grace led led team in tackles. Um, defensive line, Muhammad Redshirt Jr. He led the team in sacks last year. And was, wait, what, what? What's going down with them? They're both suspended. I, I, I didn't know they're kicked off the team. Kicked off with. the team. I didn't. Right. I didn't get get to see. I like it. What I'm... the reason was? But uh, the Muhammad, the defensive lineman, he was slated second team uh, preseason All ACC. So some very good players. Really going to hurt their. Hurt their defense. Uh, I see some people have them winning the Coastal over North Carolina. Big stories. I, I'm all. all yeah. I, I'm a Louisville football fan. I try to go out of my way not to be a, a homer on the radio. But anything that's take down the other teams and and as long as Louisville's doing okay. I mean, the season starts on Thursday. Louisville's favored by. Uh, just ridiculous number of points against Charlotte. I think it's 40. <laughs> Do you see that? Yeah. Uh, Did- 7, 7 p.m. against Charlotte. They should blow them out of the water here in Louisville. Papa John's Cardinal Stadium. Florida State also named their um, starting quarterback. You see uh, Sean McGuire had a stress, fra- stress fracture two weeks ago. They will be starting DeAndre... Francois, is that, is that right? Yeah, Francois. Francois. Interesting. Redshirt freshman. So probably pretty good that UofL is playing them early in the season, right? Yeah. <laughs> Except this is Florida State, right? Yeah. They have somewhat of a history of redshirt freshmen doing okay. Very true. <laughs> so you never know. But Even to Brad say Kaya that- and sometimes freshmen, you know. You never know. I, I'm guessing he's a pretty highly touted. What's his name again? DeAndre Francois? Yeah. All right, I'll bring him up, but I, I'm guessing he's talented. Even if he's not, if you have a great offensive line and a bunch of talent around you. Yeah, but these are one, this is one of those games where Louisville could steal one. Oh, yeah, sir. At home. Certainly. Louisville, for those of our listeners who are big Louisville fans... Thursday against Charlotte, and then Saturday the 9th. I'm sorry. That would be another Thursday game. That's right. At Syracuse, big game. Never know on the road in conference. And then Florida State, September 17th. I was looking at this um, Phil Steele's College Football 2016 preview. Yep. And it has the ACC Atlantic Division forecast, Florida State 1, Clemson 2, Louisville 3, Boston College 4. Louisville goes to Boston College at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. I guess their defense is supposed to be just loaded, and they were, they were very good last year. And who's playing quarterback for them, Kelly? Patrick Tolles. That's right. So I've... Back in 2011, Patrick Tolles was actually one of the first interviews I did, documented out there somewhere on the. the you, a funny story about that interview is I said to him, I was I was early in in doing any type of podcasting or radio, and I said I don't know Patrick, I 
you know, basically, I, I don't have any other questions prepared. Patrick, do any of your family members, have they ever been athletes or anything? And he goes, oh, yeah, my grandfather's Jim Bunning, <laughs> Hall of Famer. Oh, wow, that's cool. Would you ask him after that what kind of hair product he uses? Can't remember exactly what my follow-up question to that was. I think I laughed at myself. But tools, I think it's great. He was very nice. Everything I, He did tweet some negative things about the, the Kentucky program um, upon leaving. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> was that you that texted me the other day and said they heard somebody on the radio say, they could see Louisville going eleven and one. No, I didn't text you. The more and more I look at the schedule, whew, it's a tough one. I mean, if you're trying to make the playoff, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to jump in the Louisville. No, talk, that's okay. What, what, what are you realistically? At Boston College, we've got ten minutes left in the show, Steve. You've got the Bible of preseason college football, which we will look at. We've invested here fourteen dollars in the Phil Steele. College Football Preview Magazine. What, what, what are your thoughts on the Louisville program this year? Lamar Jackson going to have a big year? How You are the bigger fan. I'm a Louisville you know fan. Admittedly, Louisville fan. They've got a great wide receiver core, great linebackers. Yes. they're. Um, Phil Steele is a testament to that completely unbiased national perspective. He says that the seventh best wide receiver core in the country, and I second best linebacker, second best second best linebacker core in the country. Lamar Jackson is prolific. Yeah, obviously ridiculous legs, extremely fast, and he has great weapons to throw the ball to. But just Jamari th- Staples, other I mean, there's talent and there's depth. Three weeks in a row, Florida State at Marshall at Clemson. Whew. And then even at Boston College and at Houston. It's a tough schedule. I'm guessing eight and eight and four is my record projection for Louisville. This is our last time on the air before the season starts. Steve. Man, I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna stick with a nine and three. I know that's pretty in vanilla average but like I said I could see them stealing one of those three big games and then losing at, you think they may win at Clemson no October I don't 1st? think that I think okay. they could possibly win against Florida State here yes. against a, a redshirt freshman quarterback mm-hmm. looking up DeAndre Francois the starting quarterback for the Seminoles and we don't know that he'll be the quarterback at that time you know you, you never know but he was a four-star prospect, 6'1". He's only 19 years old. <sighs> only four. Four-star in football is different than four-star in basketball. Even four, You know what I mean? There's very few five-star. I know it. Yeah. Five, I know you're being sar- sarcastic. Um, I'm now caught up in me saying Jim Bunnings in the Hall of Fame, and I'm researching that. I'll, I'll figure it out. Yeah, look, he was inducted in the Hall of Fame in 1996. So, yes, he is a Hall of Famer. And he, he's a um, successful politician. But regardless, college football is upon us. What about your Buckeyes? What kind of projections have you done for them? You're a lifelong Ohio State fan. Yeah, they had 12 starters drafted, first 100 picks. They have a lot of replacements. You lost your running back 
two wide receivers, both safeties, two linebackers, two defensive linemen. So a lot of rebuilding. You saw that JT Barrett was projected as the 17th draft eligible quarterback. Yeah. According to Phil Steele, and you took note. I mean, you I, you, I, you took offense, or not offense? You disagree with it? No. I, I sub. I imagine he's saying for the NFL draft eligible, as in top ranked quarterback prospects for the NFL. But okay. it, if I was going to rank quarterbacks in college football, I, I don't think I'd have him 17th. But he's back. That should help Ohio State. They consistently have top five recruiting classes. So I think by the end of the year, that Michigan-Ohio State game will probably should be a play-in to the playoff if either one can win the Big Ten championship game. Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, Jim Harbaugh, Stoops. No, not Kentucky Stoops. Oklahoma Stoops. Dabo Sweeney. Sweeney. Okay, yeah. Who? Okay. Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher. Yep. Bobby Petrino's a character. They say he's the, not in the same light as those other guys. Les Miles, what LSU? You can't leave them out. Yeah, he seems like he's on the hot seat every year. And I, I heard uh, Gus Melzahn. He's also on the hot seat. If Auburn can't do anything this year, I mean, your main competition <clears throat> is Alabama. I mean, you're not doing too well if Alabama is playing for the championship game every year. It's tough to be in the SEC. I do not envy Kentucky. No. (laughs) ACC is a perfect place to be for football, right? Yeah. Even the Big Ten's tough. I mean, pretty pretty top-heavy. Yeah. Who's the third best team in the Big Ten? Um, Iowa, probably. But there's Nebraska and Wisconsin, or Michigan State, I apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michigan, Michigan State, State, clearly. You're in, you're out. Top three in the Big Ten. But there's a lot of good teams. Do you think Ohio State, who do you think is going to win it all? <laughs> Have we made our projections? No, we haven't. I, That's tough. We can do that next Sunday. We'll do I know that the next season. Sun- it's a difficult task. It's hard to be games played. But I think a lot of people would, you know, there's probably four or five teams that would get picked most often. Clemson, Alabama. Oklahoma, Florida State. Yep. Buckeyes coming in at number five at the CBS Sports Rankings mm-hmm. I'm looking at. LSU, six. Stanford, a seven. Notre Dame. Notre Dame has some storylines. All, all college football programs seem to inevitably be marred in controversy in today's day and age of social media, right? Yeah. Are any of them immune? I don't think so. Stanford's done pretty well, right? Yeah. Those West Coast teams struggle making the playoffs, though. UCLA's got a, a top prospect at quarterback. They come in at a number 10. Michigan's 9. Ole Miss is 11. Tennessee. A return to... Supremacy, I don't know about supremacy, but toward the top for Tennessee, who has a great football tradition and could almost be considered somewhat of a a local interest as they are a natural rival or a a traditional rival of the Kentucky Wildcats. I have seen some people picking them to win the SEC. Yeah, so they're not that far off. they got a lot of talent. 
Um, I believe they play Alabama in Knoxville. Wow. So that helps having them at home. Certainly tradition there. Yeah. I don't know that they'll beat them, but I mean, Nick Saban is on the cusp. Say, say Saban in the mm. Alabama wins it all this year. You almost have to say he's hands down the best college coach ever. Yeah. You almost can say that now. Yeah, in today's day and age. To, yeah, for, for so much resources to go into so many different programs. I mean, you look across these rankings. Ole Miss has a huge budget. UCLA even. Michigan. I mean, the big house. So many of these schools generate so much revenue, and there's so much pressure on everybody. That, that's an interesting, similar topic in that the strength and conditioning coach for Florida State was leaving his office. I'd like to know what hour that was at because these guys do not lead a glamorous lifestyle. Sometimes you hear reports of, remember when Urban Meyer stepped down at Florida? Yeah, for health health concerns. Health issues. These guys spend sometimes 20 hours a day at the office. Yeah, probably one of the most stressful jobs. I don't want that job. I know myself. When I get stressed out, if I'm, if I'm working in that type of a, of a routine... I would not function very well. I mean, think about how stressed high school football coaches have to be. Yeah. And multiply that by 10. You have a compliance department to deal with. You have this. You have that. Recruiting year-round. And sure, you're going to crack open some big drinks. That's what he said, wasn't it? Yeah. He had a couple big drinks. (laughs) At the office. At the office. On campus. So, I mean, you look at uh, locally... Obviously, the former Cincinnati coach, Butch Jones at Tennessee, doing a good job thus far. Any of these guys, you have to realize, if they seem a little testy in the press conference, it's because they are. It's because they're spending 20 hours a day a lot of times at the office. Steve Spurrier is one guy who... (laughs) He went to South Carolina, and he admittedly, he refused to buy into that. (laughs) He'd work like six-hour days. Yeah, and go golf. Yeah. I think that's cool. I'd rather do that. Obviously, it's not gonna. You're not gonna win favor yeah. of the donors in that conference, though. It's probably not the best thing. No, not the best thing at all. Especially considering that they had somewhat of a actual chance to maybe make a run at the title. So, college football's upon us. It's already started. Louisville's first game is Thursday, 7 p.m. We're gonna. Wrap things up here. We appreciate everybody tuning in. Once again, we are the Weekend Sports Buzz. I'm Kelly Patrick alongside Steve Driver. Be sure to join us next Sunday from 9 to 11 for more of the Weekend Sports Buzz. Please, Kelly.